right, how are we doing tonight? Good. All right, all right. Happy Thursday. Welcome to Red Rocks Young Adults, and welcome to the best night of your week. It's the best night of my week. So, uh, and welcome to our new series called Postgrad. Postgrad. Uh, because here is the reality for every single person in here. If you are in school right now, awesome. Good for you. Um, I hope you're getting good grades. Uh, and if you are out of school, good for you. I hope you got good grades. Um, but here's the reality for every single person in here. No matter whether you're in school, you're out of school, no matter what you walked in with tonight, um, eventually every single person in here will have either graduated or will graduate, and you will be done with school. And then there comes this season after you graduate that I would love to argue with anybody out there is the most important season of your entire life. And it's a decade of your 20s. And that's why I love ministering to this age group. I love um, the opportunity that I get to be a part of everyone's lives as they build this next decade. And it's so interesting, right, because we finished school. And, uh, and I don't know how it was for you guys, but in general, this is how we finish school, right? Like, you know, we, um, we hear some amazing speakers speak to us from Forbes or from, you know, a Fortune 500 company or J.K. Rowling, right? She spoke at somebody's school. I was like, what? I think I got, I don't even know who came to mind. And, and you know, this, this, these amazing speakers come and they give you, you know, a speech and they say things like, you know, you're going to change the world. The world is your oyster. Anything is possible. You know, and they say things like this. Don't measure your life in minutes. Measure your life in moments. And you're like, yeah. And, and they say things like, you know, don't allow fear to stop you from flying. And you're like, all right. You know, and you listen to these amazing speakers. And you high five people. And you Instagram post. And you're so pumped up. And then you wake up the next morning. And no one told you what the next morning was like. No one told you that, that you would wake up and all of a sudden you would think to yourself, my goodness, my student loans are much bigger than I remember. <laughs> that you would wake up and you would say, well, my goodness, I need to get a job and I need to either move home or I need to get an apartment. And if I get an apartment, then like, where do you find roommates? And like, do you get them on Craigslist? Like, is that weird? Like, you know, like... All of a sudden, you're faced with all of these really big, life-changing decisions. It happens just like that. And this next decade of your life, you guys, you will begin your first real job. You will decide what kind of people you are going to hang out with. You will decide what kind of man or what kind of woman you are going to allow to get to know your heart. You are going to decide um, if you are going to keep that job or move on. You're going to decide if you're going to go to back to school or not. You are going to decide what kind of person you are going to be for the rest of your life. That's what happens in your 20s. And so if it feels like it's a ton of pressure, it's because it is. <laughs> if it feels like you are just being squished and and you can feel the pressure around you, it's because it is. But God, in his purpose, has made this season difficult for a reason and for a purpose. And he uses this season to grow us up and to fashion us into the believers that he needs us to be for the cause ahead. And if you read Ephesians 2, it reads like this. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for good 
works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. The scripture is telling us that God is fashioning every single person in here for good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do, and that he is going to use this season of your 20s to make you into who he needs you to be. And so no matter what you walked in with tonight, no matter what kind of day you had, if you came in and you are um, frustrated with your job right now, if you came in and you are feeling stuck, if you came in and you are feeling like you don't appreciate or don't agree with your boss, if you are feeling um, low, if you are feeling forgotten tonight, God wants you to understand that he is using this season to raise you up into the perfect person that he needs for his call and for his good Works. And so if you are taking notes tonight, I titled tonight, Rise to the Top, Even in a Prison Cell. Rise to the top, even if it means that you're rising to the top in a prison cell, okay? And we are going to talk about an awesome, awesome man of the Bible. So let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be here. God, thank you. God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for dreams. But God, I, I thank you more for your dreams. And I just pray that every single person in here, God, that you would bring a breath of fresh air for every single person in here that we would walk out changed, God, that you would speak to us about our call, about your ambitions for us, your purposes for us, God, that we wouldn't settle for anything less but what, for what you have for us. Um, God, that every single person in here would understand that they have a specific engineering just, just to your liking, God, and that you are raising them up into who they need to be, that they would not forsake this season, but that they would love this season. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right. So how many of you uh, are, like, are in college and you like college or you enjoyed college? You liked it? <laughs> really? Oh, that's not very many of you. Like, I'm sorry. Gosh, I don't know. Um, I loved college. I thought it was super fun. I, I had good friends. I had a good time. I had a good network of people. You know, I, I got uh, decent grades, had some people, like, give me some awards, like a female lead. You know, we're in a Christian school, so they give you the female leadership award. And I'm like, well, I want the male leadership award, too. Like, give them both. And, um, you know, like, like. I, and uh, they, they have, like, uh, it was a good season for me. Like, I enjoyed it, right? It was so much fun. And so um, I get done with school, and it's, you know, they give me a cap, and they give me a gown. And wouldn't you know, it's awesome. Because when I graduated from, you know, my high school, it was a green cap and a green gown. And I had a black cap and a black gown. So I was like, oh, this is a step up. I'm going to look way better in all my pictures. Because black is way better than green for pictures. And so I'm excited. I get my hair done. I get my shoes done. And then I listen to a guy give me an awesome, you know, speech about how I'm going to change the world and, and the world is just waiting for me and the world is my oyster, right? And I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I love this. And I walk across, you know, they call my name and it's my full name and I'm like, oh my God, you know, and I'm like, wait, like my people, you know, and I'm like, so excited. Like, I'm so excited. And as soon as I got home that day, like, I was like, well, sweet, I know what I need to do next. I need to frame my degree. And so I like go and I frame my degree. Um, and then I woke up the next morning and I remember thinking, my goodness, like I have nowhere. I actually, I remember thinking I have nowhere to put this degree, like because I don't have a place to live. And, um, and then I remember thinking to myself in the weeks that preceded graduation, like, wow, like no one told me how expensive life is. Like, like why did no one tell me this, Right. 
And then I, uh, I go and I start, um, I had put out a bunch of resumes at the end of school, but it didn't matter um, because nobody was biting when I was graduating. It didn't, it didn't matter. None, none, I got no calls. I got no interviews. And I was so desperate. I was living on a friend's couch and moving my stuff back into my parents' house. I was so desperate for a job that I decided uh, I'm going to call up a friend who I know is working for a nice restaurant downtown. And I called him, and he works at a steakhouse. And he was like, yeah, I can get you an interview. And I was just praying, like, God, give me, give me this job. And he gave it to me. And so I get this job and it's my first day, right? And um, I worked at this very, like, hoity-toity, like, nice, you know, place where there's, like, linens and everybody wore, like, aprons and vests, you know, the whole deal. And um, I am shadowing the head server. Well, that day, um, he had a table of about 12 businessmen, and they were on their lunch hour and having some type of business meeting. And so he goes over to me, and he says, Jess, I need you to take a drink order. And I was like, do a drink order, you know, and I go over and I take all their drink orders and they all are getting water. And I was like, this is totally easy, right? And I go, I fill up every single water and I bring my tray over and I set down the very first water. And uh, the tables were like put together because it was a long table, but one of them was like a little higher than the other one. And I set it down like, uh, but I couldn't tell because of the tablecloth. And I set it down right on the crease. And I could tell uh, as I set it down that, you know, it was slanted and it started to tip. And I grabbed it and I saved the water. But in the process, I dumped 11 waters on one dude. (laughs) And he literally, this is a true story. He stands up and he goes, whoa, I didn't know I won the Super Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) and I literally was like oh my gosh someone just I need to quit like (laughs) like that was my very first day of working after graduating this was my first day and I remembered walking out to my car that night and I kind of I had had such a like long day it was a 12-hour day of working and following this dude from you know all of his different tables and I tried to learn so much and I remember just being like God like oh man is this what I was created for like is this what you made me for Jesus have you ever felt that way God is this the plan that you had for me is this where you want me to be right now. If you've ever felt that way, you are in good company because there are a load of people in the Bible and we're going to focus on one tonight who have a story just like that where God takes them, he gives them a dream and then he takes them and he fashions them for their dream in some of the most ridiculous and uncomfortable of circumstances. And so if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn to Genesis 37. Genesis 37. And it says this. Now Israel, well, this, let, me, let me back up. This is, we're going to start and we're going to talk about Joseph. Joseph, for those of you who don't know, um, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, it was written about him. Okay, so if you're a theater guy, if you um, haven't read the Bible a a ton, he uh, is a young man when we meet him, but he becomes a patriarch of the faith by the time his life is over. He's an incredible man of faith, of work ethic, um, of integrity. And so we're going to meet him, though, when he is just beginning his young adult years, when he is 17 years old. And it says this, now Israel, who's his dad? Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. And when his brothers saw that his fathers loved him more than any of them, they hated him and would not speak a kind word to him. Joseph then had a dream. 
And when uh, he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to the dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, and suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered round mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us, Joseph, you little jerk? (laughs) Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he has said. A man named Joseph, when he is 17, we meet him, and he has some family issues, okay? Um, He is loved by his father, but he is hated by his brothers. And he gets a dream one night, and he has a moment, and this is what I want you to hear. He has a moment with Jesus. He has a moment with God where God imparts to him part of what he is made to do, part of what he is built to do. And he gives him a dream about how he will rule, and he will govern, and he will be a decision maker. That his sheaf stands upright, and other sheafs gather around, listen to him, and bend down. God is giving him a snip, a snapshot of what he is to become. And every single 20-something in here, Chad calls it your destiny years, but this is a season where God is going to speak to you about what you are to become. And it may come to you in a different way than Joseph's. Maybe for you, you're going to be in an internship and you will feel pulled into a project. Maybe for you, it will come during a church service and you'll feel the Lord speak to you or while you're reading a verse. Maybe for you it was that since you were a little, little tyke, you couldn't think about anything but dressing up like a pilot and you'd build cardboard boxes just so you could build them into little miniature planes. Whatever it is, God is speaking and will continue to speak to you about the vision that he has for your life. You are no exception to the rule. He will speak to you if he hasn't yet. And he speaks to Joseph and he gives him a vision. But in this moment, what you need to realize is that just because Joseph has been given a God-sized vision and a God-sized dream does not mean that he has the character ready to match it. And so the very first thing I think we can learn from Joseph and from his life tonight is this, that high-caliber dreams require high-caliber character. High-caliber dreams require high-caliber character just because you are in here tonight and you have a big dream does not mean that you are necessarily ready or equipped or have the character or the integrity integrity that you are ready to handle such dream. When we meet Joseph, he is at best naive. And at worst, he is spoiled and he is arrogant. At best, he is this little kid who's just kind of naive and doesn't know what's going on. At worst, when we meet Joseph, you can feel it in the way that he talks. He is arrogant and he comes to his brothers and instead of taking his dream and ruminating on it with the Lord and praying about it and being humble and um, you know in Luke it talks about Mary and when the Lord speaks to Mary it says that she treasured the words of God in her heart and instead of treasuring the words of God in his heart he goes to his brothers and he essentially taunts them and brags to them about his dream his character in this moment is nowhere near ready to handle the call. He is gifted, he is talented, but his character is about as shallow as a kiddie pool when we meet Joseph. And God knows what Joseph will become. He knows where he is heading, um, but he also knows where he's at right now. And if you're in here tonight, he knows what you will become, young adult. He knows where you are heading, but he also knows where you're at right now. Do we have any uh, CrossFit fans or CrossFitters in here? Oh. 
dude, somebody just went boo <laughs> up front. Okay, so CrossFit, if you are not aware, it is a fitness regimen that is t like storming the nation right now. And everybody's getting involved in it and everybody's excited about it. And it's, uh, you know, like shops are popping up all over the place with CrossFit gyms. And um, it's, it's basically a system that is going to um, get you to your fitness personal best. And that's the whole goal. It's circuit training. Um, if you haven't heard about it, though, uh, there's a little short video that kind of describes it. And so I thought I'd show it to you tonight. Go ahead and roll that vid. <laughs> so that's, if you haven't gone, that's what it's like. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. Uh, that was a parody video. Um, but, but really, a CrossFit gym and a CrossFit trainer really is a cool thing because it, the whole goal is to take a person and not necessarily to mold them into uh, someone else, but to get you to your personal best. And so if you were to walk in there, they would assess you and they would look at your core strength and your back strength and your leg strength. And they would say, well, um, since if, like, for example, if I were to walk in, I would walk in and they would say, okay, you're kind of, well, you're kind of little. And uh, they would assess my core strength and my back strength, and they would say, all right, let's just start with the bar for squats, okay? And, and I would do some squats because the trainer understands something about the people that he's training, and it's this, that the muscles, that the back, that the core, it can only support as much weight as the back can handle. And so if you have a weak back, he will give you a small weight. And in the same way... God looks at us and he says, if you have a big dream, that's incredible and that's amazing. And I most likely gave it to you, young adult. But here's the deal. Your character needs to be ready to support the weight. And so if you have a weak back, you get a weak weight. And if you have a weak character, you will get a small portion of that call until you're ready for more. And if you see CrossFit trainers, they will build up your muscle and eventually you'll tack on some weight and tack on more weight and tack on more weight. God in his grace gives us just a little snippet of our call depending on what our character is ready for. And when we meet Joseph, his character just isn't quite ready yet. It's just not there yet. In fact, at one point in scripture, um, it talks about Israel sending him out to go find his brothers. And Israel says, Joseph, I need you to go find your brothers. Go look for them. And he goes out into the fields. And it actually says this about him. It says, when Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? He's 17 years old. Like he's not 12, he's 17 years old and he's A, not out in the fields helping his brothers work and B, when he gets out there, he like, lo like loses his way and he's just wandering around and somebody has to ask him, dude, are you okay? Like, are you all right? And so if it feels like right now in your life, you are wandering around in your life, like you're wandering in and out of a job or in and out of a relationship, if it feels like you are just wandering, perhaps tonight, may I suggest that maybe God is saying, hey, I would love to form in you a larger character if you would let me, if you would let me. God in his grace gives us a small portion of our call until we are ready to handle more. And then he prepares us for the next portion. 
And he prepares us through, and this is what I think is so interesting. He prepares us through less than ideal circumstances. Less than ideal. Joseph, when he is 17, um, his brothers obviously dislike him. And they dislike him so much that they decide to, co- to um, well, they decide to kill him as a group. <laughs> and then Reuben speaks up and he says, look, 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 let's not kill him. Let's just sell him. And so... They sell him to a group of Midianites who then sell him to a group of Ishmaelites who then sell him to Egyptians who sell him to Potiphar. And Potiphar is the um, captain of the guard at the time for Pharaoh. And Joseph becomes his slave. And so if you thought you had family problems, there you go. And that brings us to our second thing I think we can learn from Joseph tonight. And it's this, that God uses low places to fashion some of his best. That God will use your low place to fashion his best. Because you got to be thinking at this point, he's feeling mishandled, misrepresented, rejected by his brothers. And then he goes and he works for a man as a slave for years. Years. And this is after he has a dream that he is supposed to be a ruler. I remember God telling me in a chapel service one day, he said, dig in, Jesse, I'm preparing you. And I knew it was for ministry. After that, he actually said that I would be building up the next generation. And I knew that um, at some point in time, I would be doing what I'm doing in my life right now. Yeah, it's awesome. But for five years after graduation, I never touched a stage. I never was in vocational ministry I waited tables for three years after that. I went on like a mission trip for a year after that. I worked for a television network and ended up getting fired. That was awesome. (laughs) I had not one, not two, but three bosses at that television network. And I remember there would be times where I would just go and I would just pray and say, God, like maybe did I miss it? Like I know you gave me a call, but maybe I was just crazy. Like how could I have ever thought that? And if that's you in here tonight, can I just encourage you that every single character in the Bible who really did something great had a season where they thought maybe that vision that I had from the Lord, maybe I missed him. David gets called to be a king. After that, he goes back into the shepherd's fields and is a shepherd for a number of years. After that, he's a musician for the current king. He's like a court jester. He has to wait on him whenever the king wants him to. Peter is told he's going to build the church. And after that, goes through a huge pruning process with his, where his character is humbled. Elisha has a double portion of anointing and is one of the most powerful prophets to have ever lived. And for years, he carries Elijah's cloak around and just follows him around as his understudy. If you are feeling tonight like maybe God has given you a vision, but maybe you missed the boat, can I just encourage you that you are in the same boat as some of the Bible's greatest people? I know that you called me to this but I'm sitting in the middle of this. 
And I've heard it so many times, you guys, from so many people that I just want to encourage you tonight that if that's you, I've heard it from so many, this is every young adult in here. And so if you feel alone in it, like look around, like this is every single person in here. Difficult scenarios are God's favorite ways to fashion us into the people that we need to be. And so that terrible job, that's God's low place for you to fashion you. That horrific boss, that's God's low place to fashion you. That incessant and annoying roommate, that is God's low place to fashion you into who he wants you to be. And God's watching you in the low places. And so the question I have for you tonight is this. How are you doing with your low place tonight, young adult? How are you doing? How are you doing in, when no one's paying attention to your work ethic? In your nine to five, when you go to work and when you work for someone else and you're trying your best to honor someone else, how are you doing in refereeing your spirit and in refereeing your heart? How are you doing when it comes to other people getting promoted? Do you celebrate them or do you hate them? How are you doing in your low place tonight? God wants to know, and believe me, God is watching how you manage that small portion of a call. Joseph, for his, for his bit, does an incredible job with a very low place. He becomes a slave, and Genesis reads this. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian, who is now one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him his success in everything that he did, Joseph found favor in the eyes, um, in his eyes and became his attendant. And then Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household and he entrusted uh, to his care everything that he owned. From that time, he put him in charge of his household and of all he owned. And the Lord blessed him and the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything that Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge he did not concern himself with anything but the food that he ate Joseph embraces his low place and he says I'm going to work this for everything that I got and he gets out in the field and he begins working not as unto Potiphar but as unto the Lord and when he does that Potiphar takes notice and he says oh my goodness and he begins to promote him and kind of put him in charge of stuff pretty soon Joseph is running Potiphar's entire household and all of his fields and all of his attendants and it literally says Potiphar didn't think about anything but what he ate and then it says this and Joseph was blessed But then it also said this, but Potiphar was also blessed. It reads this, the blessing of the Lord was on everything that Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. One thing you need to understand about this season of life, about your 20-somethings, about the low places where God is pruning you and working you, is that sometimes you are going to work as unto the Lord, and sometimes you are going to have the favor of God on your life, and other people will get the blessing. Sometimes you are going to work and you are going to do everything that you got and you're going to bring your best and you're going to bring your best heart and you're going to be honoring God and honoring other people and it will be someone else that gets the credit, that gets the blessing, that gets the favor, that gets the promotion. 
In fact, I read a quote this week from Ronald Reagan, and he said this, there is no end to the amount of good that you can do so long as you don't care who gets the credit. And I believe this, that in your young adult years, in your 20-something years, God is watching you, and he is saying, I'm going to give you favor, but it's actually going to bring favor sometimes to the people around you because I want to see how you handle it. Are you going to be able to do what is right and do what is good and work as unto me even when no one notices and you get no glory? God is watching how you carry that small portion of your call. Joseph does his best in the low places. He does his very best. He works as unto the Lord. But for those of you who know the story, you know the story of Joseph and then Potiphar's wife. Potiphar has a wife and she's not the most amazing of human beings. And she comes to Joseph and she essentially says, you're good looking, you're handsome, and so come to bed with me. That's what she says. And he says, oh, no, ma'am, I follow the Lord and no thank you, which I hope every single one of you gentlemen in here will do. And... um. He says, thank you so much, but no thank you. And she looks at him and she feels so rejected and frustrated that she then tells a lie to her husband and she says essentially that he is making sport of her or that Joseph tried to rape her in essence. And so Joseph gets thrown into jail. It says this, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. This is after he's worked for Potiphar for years, for years, young adult. And he finally raises to the top of where God has placed him. And he has done nothing wrong and he gets thrown into jail, which I think is there so that we can understand something. And it's this, it's that sometimes your low places, they last for a long time, a long time. Which brings us to our third point I think we can gain from Joseph and we can take from his life tonight. And it's this, rise to the top of wherever you are, even if it's a prison cell. Rise to the top of wherever God places you, even if it's in a prison cell. One thing that I find incredible about Joseph is the kid just doesn't give up. I mean, he never gives up. He becomes a slave, and he's like, cool, I can do this. I can work this. He gets thrown into jail wrongfully, and he immediately begins working as unto the Lord. He could have gone, and he could have cried in a corner for the rest of his life, and no one would have blamed him. But he didn't. Galatians says this about us, about believers, about the way that we are to, to respond to our low places. And it says this, let us not become weary of doing good. For in proper time, we will reap a harvest if, what, we don't give up. I read a quote this week, and I can't even remember from who it was, but he said, never, ever, 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 ever give up. Never give up. Joseph was tenacious. He was, he was seriously, like, he had some type of relentlessness within him where he never gave up. And the moment he hit the bottom of that jail cell, he started working. It reads this. This is Genesis 39, verse 20. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. And he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And so the warden put Joseph in charge of all those who were in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. 
Joseph gets thrown into jail wrongfully. And immediately he starts working. Immediately he starts working as unto the Lord. And I was watching um, a World War II uh, kind of whatever on the History Channel. What do you call it? Documentary. There we go. And it was about before the Americans joined the war and when the only people and the only nation that was standing up to the Nazis, to the Germans, was um, the United Kingdom. And Winston Churchill was, at the time, the prime minister. And um, they had, the Nazis had a bigger, um, they had a bigger navy, they had a bigger air force, um, they had more, more men. And, he, and Hitler kept telling them, you should give up, you should give up. You should for sure give up. You should probably give up right now. And he's quoted as saying this. This is from Winston Churchill during this time. He says, success is not final and failure is not fatal. And it is courage to continue that counts. It is the courage to continue that counts. Joseph takes the low places and he makes it his training ground. He makes it the place where he builds his resume. (laughs) And so what about you? What about you? And this is important, young adult, because here's the deal. Every single one of you in here will most likely be given a dumpy scenario. And I know that the temptation is to dump all over it. And God is hoping that you will not do that. He is hoping that you will take hold and that you will rise to the top of wherever he places you. That's what Joseph did and that's what he's hoping you will do tonight. He looked at Joseph and he said, Joseph, can you manage a cell full of prisoners? Because if you can, maybe you can manage a nation full of people. And he's looking at us tonight and he's like, hey, how's your low place, young adult? How are you managing your low place? And what would it look like tonight if you decided, Lord, I'm going to embrace what you have given me and I'm going to work my low place for everything that I got and I will not stop doing good until at the proper time I reap a harvest what if you at your Starbucks job started building your lattes as unto the Lord and as if the kingdom depended on it and you said I'm going to pastor these people and I'm going to work this and I'm going to work my way up this is where he planted me this is where I'll bloom What if you're an admin and you started filing papers like you actually meant it instead of just daydreaming about the next thing? What if instead of quitting every single job that you have, you actually worked the low place that he put you in? It's there in his grace for your character to build you into the person that he needs you to be. There's a principle in scripture and it's basically this, young adult. It's that God will give you a small thing. And if you own that small thing with everything that you've got, he will give you more and it's his promise. It's how it is. It's possible to have immense amounts of leadership and immense amounts of influence and not be the one in charge. And the last thing tonight is this. God is with you. God is with you. Genesis 39.2 says this, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. And then it says this, but while Joseph was in the prison, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him 
in his low places. He was with him as a slave. He was with him in the prison. And it was God, listen to me, it was God that caused his success. It was God that gave him promotion. It was God that gave him more. It is God that gives us more. God was with Joseph and God is with you. If God is for you, then who can be against you? Ephesians 2 says this, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. You know what this verse is saying? It's the most relieving verse in all of scripture. It's the most relieving verse in all of scripture because here's the thing about my life, no matter how many times I screwed up and made wrong decisions and tried and tried to be honoring, tried to be successful and tried to make my way into ministry. Here's the deal about Ephesians 2. Go ahead and bring it back up here. Here's the deal about Ephesians 2. It's a set up. <laughs> you can't screw it up. So long as you just stay in your lane and just stay with him. He has created good works for you to do, which he has prepared in advance and God's purposes always prevail. It's a setup. He is with you. He is with you. And it says this about Joseph at the end of his life, Pharaoh comes and um, he hears about a prisoner who not only can like be in charge of all the other prisoners and who's been in charge for a long, long time, but who can also interpret dreams. And so he brings him up and, um, and this is like such a sweet moment of realization of every dream that Joseph ever had. But it says this, he gives uh, Pharaoh a plan of how to save his people. And jo uh, uh, Genesis 41 says this, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all of his officials. And so Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made um, all this known to you, there is no one as discerning or as wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne shall I be greater than you. God looked at 17-year-old Joseph and he knew that someday he would be second in command to the most incredible empire to have ever lived. At this time, the Egyptian empire ruled the world and Joseph, <laughs> Pharaoh even says to him, he essentially says, look, I'm the king, but really you're gonna be the one that's in charge. And God knew this was the work that he had prepared in advance for him to do. And so he used the low places to fashion his character, to build him into the man that he needed to be, to build his integrity, to build his decision-making so that on the day that Pharaoh called him up into his office and he received that call, you better believe that his back and his character was ready to hold it. Will you guys stand? So I wanna ask you again tonight, how are you handling your low place tonight? For some of you, you may be handling it really well, but for some of you, you may say, no, you know what? I need to maybe re-up on this and to never stop doing good. God wants you to know tonight that he is with you, that he is working in you, that he will continue to prosper you. Embrace the low places, allow him to work in your character. His purposes will prevail. God, thank you for tonight.
I pray that everyone in here, God, um, would be encouraged, that they would know that you love them, God, that they would know that you care about them, that they would understand that these years of the low places of preparation, God, that they are for purpose, and it is your purpose, God, and that in due time, God, in due time, you will raise them up. And I pray that um, during worship tonight, we can worship you because you are good, because you are worthy, because you are holy. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for this body of believers tonight. In Jesus' name. Let's worship.